Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran. Good morning. Welcome to the program. This is Dr. Tom Curran. I know it's a Faith and Family Friday, and I know Carrie's been on the last couple of days. She is not on today. I'm so sorry. Pray for her. She's a little bit sick, unfortunately. She's got uh, that, I don't know, the little flu that just seems to be lingering. It's just terrible. She's going to talk about not terrible things, but challenging things, maybe terribly challenging things. I'm going to talk about dating in high school. What is that all about? And I'm also going to talk about regrets. Ouch. Interesting program in store for you today. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Welcome back. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Holy God, we come before you, and I beg you that we would never take prayer for granted. We'd never take you lightly, Lord, that we would honor you as God, and that we would seek to have you be involved in every aspect of our lives. Lord, I pray that you give wisdom to parents who are trying to navigate big challenges, especially regarding raising their teenagers. And so, Lord, please bless all parents of teens, parents of high schoolers, and give them wisdom and courage. Give them the grace to give us. I, I'm, I'm there too, Lord. Give us the grace to, to be able to know uh, what to do and to have the strength to shepherd our kids uh, through uh, trying times, difficult, uh, difficult circumstances. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, how's that for kind of a hand-wringing prayer? <laughs> So, uh, Carrie and I, we had planned on talking together about uh, dating in high school. And we didn't date in high school, uh, each other, right? But it was it was a thing. It was a topic that had just kind of blown up in some of the groups uh, on Facebook. Yes, Carrie still will occasionally go on Facebook, and she's part of these different large Catholic family groups. and they were putting out there sort of the pluses and minuses of dating in high school. And it was like, we should talk about that. And I'm like, yeah, let's do that. And then she got sick. <laughs> so I still have, I still have my thoughts to share. I, you would benefit quite a bit from Carrie's thoughts on this too, but not today. So I also am going to talk about regrets. Hey, you know, we got a lot coming up where there could be some regrets. For instance, we have Valentine's Day, which is also Ash Wednesday. So a couple of biggies there, right? Ash Wednesday, launching you into Lent. You don't want to regret how you enter into Lent. And so I'm going to talk a bit about regrets and link that to 
having a great Lent. And you know what? Maybe that'll also cast a little bit of light on the theme of not regretting how you approach Valentine's Day either. And Valentine's Day is, guess what? It's a nice lead right on into the theme of dating in high school. What are your thoughts? Do you th- Did you allow your kids to date in high school? Did you date in high school? And as parents, do you, if you have kids in high school, do you, do you let them date? Uh, what about you've got younger kids and they're approaching high school and and they're hearing about kids dating. Like, what's that all about? So there's a lot to cover here. And this is one of those times when it's important to say it out loud. Back in my day, I would blah, blah, blah. That that's This is one of those instances where the back in my day is going to have some level of insight that we can bring to bear about Uh, maybe yearning for a bygone era when things were a bit simpler. But at the same time, the enormity of the challenges that are facing young people makes the reality of dating a vastly different thing than it did when I was growing up, when I graduated from high school 40 years ago. So back in the day, interestingly, I I grew up in a very Catholic town. You've heard me mention that in the outskirts of Boston. And, you know, my friends just sort of took it for granted that they were Catholic, even in the public school, right? But this idea of dating, it actually began in junior high school. There were like, oh, did you hear? So-and-so's dating. And whatever that meant, as early as, I would say sixth grade would have probably been the earliest time where I heard about classmates of mine having a girlfriend or a boyfriend and they're dating. And uh, and then it just went on from there, right? In high school, it was a much more common thing. And in a public school, dating often took the form of, oh, you were seen together in the school halls. You would be together between classes or during a recess at lunch, things like that. And it was it was a commonplace in, in the big high school that I went to, had about 2,000 kids, uh, to see you know, kids making out in the halls, right? That was just sort of a, it, it wasn't a shocking thing right to see these public displays of affection uh in in the high school the public high school so dating was uh definitely a a, a dynamic in my home i grew up in a and again a very let's let's, let's call it a strict conservative home it was uh, dating was not a, a a big topic of discussion when it did get brought up it was don't even think about dating before you're 16. And my mom would always use this old chestnut of a line. What are you going to do? Take her out on your bike? In other words, you can't even drive a car. What's going out on a date and dating even going to look like if you're if you don't have the ability to 
take her someplace, go to a movie or something like that. And so that was definitely the atmosphere in my home. So I'm going to link this to what we've already talked about. This idea of coming up with some principles and practices to dating are going to be traced back, guess what, to the atmosphere, the culture that you have in the home, a culture of respect, of dignity, of gift and giftings. And you know all that stuff that I talked about with Kerry the last two days, that that's fundamental. That's foundational for everything else that I'm going to uh, be saying about how it is you might navigate and shepherd in your home the reality of dating. So the the culture in my home was a very strict one. You do what God's will is, or you face the fires of hell and the wrath of mom and dad. Very protective of us going astray, but it was there wasn't a lot of bend. There wasn't a lot of bend. And so let's say at the top end of the kids, uh, myself and my older brother, we were very dutiful and obedient and compliant. And so they had no problems with us. But what that translated into is in high school, I didn't date. I didn't date. And, and when I finally got to be 16, I was, let's see, I was a senior um, when I turned 16. Is that right? Let's see. And, oh, no, it would have been in the uh, the fall of my junior year. I turned 16. And um, it, was, it, it wasn't some kind of, oh, wow, now I'm going to be able to drive and I can date. Just was not a thing. And so that, that the environment in the home was such that it really hedged against us focusing on dating. My older brother did not have a girlfriend. And it wasn't until after high school that or at the very end of high school, literally the end of the spring semester of, of my senior year, that even the idea of going out on a date and asking someone out uh, would show up in my life. And, uh, and it really, it wasn't until after high school. So that that's, I, I don't have a lot of experience of my own experience of dating. I certainly got to see friends around me uh, make a mess and uh, in, in also seemingly have a lot of enjoyable experiences, uh, at least at, at the public facing level um, with boyfriends and girlfriends. But let's jump ahead. So let's jump ahead and and what did that mean for me when I, well, a couple of years into college, I ended up going into the seminary. So I didn't have much of a window in there. I had a couple of years in college and I did have, uh, I did have a girlfriend for, I don't know, a handful of months until I told her I was discerning the priesthood and she knew. <laughs> oh my goodness. Isn't that funny? And uh, her name was Angel. Uh, how about that? She actually was an angel. Uh, in a sense, a uh, very a beautiful Catholic, sweet girl. Anyways, um, and uh, uh, and so when I told her I was discerning the priesthood, you know, she was very sad about it. And but you know, you know, if you're going to lose me, lose me to God, right? In the service of the church. Anyways, so I, it wasn't until I was 25 years old and I came out that all of a sudden dating re-entered my my life. But even then, I was discerning being single for the Lord, being celibate as a lay person, not even as a priest. And, and when I finally 
recognized that the Lord had given me this space to, in fact, choose marriage, and that I wasn't invited to be a celibate, that I then put the focus on praying more intently for that future spouse. And it was, even then, it was still a a couple of years before I ended up meeting Carrie. And it was quick for me. It was, I was older, you know, by that time. And so dating was just a handful of months. And and we knew within about three months, you know, we're, we're feeling this call to be married and ended up getting engaged and, and, and then six months later got married. So I don't have a, a, like a, a rich history of having a boyfriend and or having girlfriends and, and dating and boyfriends, girlfriends as a, this big dynamic in my own life. Um, Carrie has um, a bit uh, of a different experience and I should let her say it, but she was someone who didn't have many boyfriends, but would feel more comfortable just saying, let's go out on a date. And she'd go out on a couple of dates and then that would be it. And it was a way to set appropriate boundaries and don't focus so much on relationships. Okay. I bring all of this up for a reason. As parents, we are going to bring to bear on our kids these questions around dating that are associated with our own background, with our own history, with our own, like what we experienced ourselves and um, what we want to protect our kids from or what we want to open up for our kids. All right. So let's dive into a couple of keys. One of the most important keys as you're facing this question regarding would I let my kid date in high school, my son or my daughter date in high school is, is what? What's it mean to date? To go out on a date or to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend? And that is laden with, there are all kinds of expectations associated with that in the mind of your son or daughter based on what? Based on culture, the atmosphere that exists where? Where? Yes, in the home, but where else? Among their peers, where they go to school, that is going to have a huge influence on them regarding that energy towards, I need a boyfriend. I need a girlfriend. Let's talk about boys. Let's talk about girls. Let's talk about uh, romantic sexualized relationships. Let's focus on that in, in, in the songs that we listen to, in the movies that we watch, in the shows that we, that we binge watch, in, in the social media platforms that we follow. Okay, now we've just entered the swamp of the present moment that your kids are facing. So hear it again. The world that your kids are facing as teenagers or in high school when it comes to dating is going to be influenced by sources that did not exist when you were growing up. Or if you're maybe the the youngest possible parent that has a 14-year-old is, you know, someone that was maybe a, a, a teenager back in the, you know, the early days of Facebook, but not the same thing. It's not the same thing. They live in a different universe. No, let me say that again. 
They live in a different world. It's the digital world. It's it's a world that draws in their mind, their heart, their emotions, their their energies, and it shapes and molds how they see dating. And that's going to shape how they relate their attitude towards dating. And that's going to overflow into their behaviors around dating. And this then is going to lead me to one of the most important decisions that you ever make in the life of your teenager. And you know what it is? I'll tell you in a minute. Welcome back to the program. This is Dr. Tom Curran, and it is a joy and a delight to be with you. What's one of the most important decisions you're ever going to make in the life of your teenager, your high schooler, and it, it in terms of impacting how they see, how they relate, and how they behave around the concept of dating? It's where you send them to high school. Where, how are they being educated? And, and here's the other word, as parents, it's your moral responsibility. It is your divine call when God entrusts you with a child to be the principal agent, the primary person responsible for the two words, the education and the formation of your child. Education, yeah. Okay, you can think about the, the different subjects of learning, but formation, oh, that's about forming the mind. That's forming the heart. That's forming virtue, character, attitudes. That's forming a consciousness, an awareness, like how you see the world and yourself and, and what life is all about. And parents, you have to hear this. I know you know it, but you have to hear this. When it comes to things, uh, when it comes to these really pressing, important topics in the lives of our kids, as our kids are entering their teen years, your influence is going to be bumped up against by the increased influence of their peers. And not only their peers, but the wide world of peers that they are able to access on TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, and uh, yeah, I'm not even gonna say Facebook, YouTube, right? These platforms are fire hoses Fire hoses forming the minds and the hearts of our kids. Amazon Prime, Netflix, Hulu, forming our kids to see themselves and see these fundamental realities in their lives in a certain way. So you can bring a clear set, a clear vision and set of values and, and clear ideas and even attempt to form your kids in these things. But when your kids leave their home, your home, and they go into these schools, they, these kids are going to bump up against a culture, an atmosphere that is in that school. And here's what I'm going to tell you. It's the hard message, but it's the important message. And I'd be remiss if I didn't say it. You should presume that your high schooler is entering into an environment that will be toxic to their Catholic faith and to the morality that you believe in, or let's even say it more fundamentally, that God has established for human flourishing. 
you should expect, you should say, my, what I anticipate is that this school is going to deform and make toxic my kids' own practice of their Catholic faith until or unless I can prove that wrong. That should be your default setting. And you have to hear it out loud. Just because a school says Catholic in front of it doesn't mean that it won't be toxic to an authentic Catholic faith and flourishing and the vision and values associated with dating, sexual identity, and the, the, the sexual dynamics. D don't think that, oh, my kids are safe if they're in a Catholic high school. Don't, don't think that. Prove it. You have to prove it. And it's something that Carrie and I learned in the very, very painful suffering that we dearly want to preserve you from experiencing, not to fall into that trap that a good Catholic home that's focused on forming intentional disciples of Jesus Christ and giving all those opportunities for your kids to fellowship and grow up in Catholic settings, that that's going to give them the strength they need when they get out of the home into even a Catholic high school that all of a sudden it's going to be sufficient for them to withstand some of the toxic elements that are there. Don't, don't settle for that belief. Demand more of yourself because there's so much at stake. There's so much at stake. And so, um, well, one of the sponsors of today's program is the Chesterton Academy of Notre Dame. And it's a classical Catholic high school in Spokane. There's a Chesterton Academy just opening up in um, on the west side in the Puget Sound area. I think it's in Edmonds. And uh, there are the classical model of Catholic schooling that I believe in more fully. And there's a reason why. Okay, and it's not just that they're smaller that's not the reason why. It's that, simply put, traditional Catholic schools that you're aware of and that I'm aware of, right? Diocesan Catholic schools are evangelistic in intent. The intention is we're open to anybody, just realize you're coming into a school that has a Catholic identity. There's only one problem. The majority of kids that are coming into that school are not practicing a vibrant Catholic faith. And therefore, the environment that is there in those halls is not evangelizing kids towards a vibrant practice of the Catholic faith, but much more fostering a toxic relationship to their own Catholic faith. And they're so much more likely to lose a Catholic vision and values in those schools that are evangelistic in nature versus, well, what's the alternative, Tom? What is so special about a classical school? They're discipleship-focused. They don't presume that the kids coming in those doors are disciples. A disciple means a follower of Jesus Christ. It's their job to foster discipleship, to foster a personal relationship with Christ as a Catholic. That's what's so special about Court of Christ, right? a classical school in the Catholic tradition in Coeur d'Alene and the Chesterton Academy of Notre Dame. And uh, the Oaks. It's a classical Christian school that I had several kids in high school go through. 
And what, what happens there in, in a school that's focused on discipleship? The atmosphere is different. My brothers and sisters, the atmosphere is different. It's, I keep coming back around to that, right? There's a reason why. If the, the, the culture that you're attempting to form in the home, guess what? Your kids are going to be immersed into a culture like that at that school. Not only because of the nature of the school in its intention to carry out its goal, but because of the other families that choose that as well for their kids. You are so much more likely to find intentional, determined, practicing Catholics, Catholic families sending their kids to those schools. And so you will have far less toxicity to their kids' Catholic faith. I, it is life-giving, life-recovering, and life-changing for high schoolers. And I know that you, many of you, you if you have an eighth grader and or you, your kids are in a high school right now and you're wondering, what can I do? You do whatever you need to do to form and educate your child, your high schooler, to be able to flourish as a young man and woman and a Catholic, godly young man and woman through the education setting that they're in, even if it means uprooting. It, 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 the, the suffering that's involved in uprooting a kid from their high school experience is tremendous. I know it. We uprooted four of them. And at the same time, the alternative is to experience the suffering that comes by not uprooting them, by allowing them to stay in that environment and thinking that, well, let's just try harder. Let's keep fighting the good fight. And often in order to do that, it just means hunkering down, hunkering down and, and kind of staying in a very narrow circle of relationships in order to be able to make it through high school, which it is, you know, that, that, that's, that's an experience. That's one way to get through high school is to do that. Um, so let's now apply this test of, oh, well, what's dating like in that environment? If you're in that kind of environment, then all of a sudden, guess what? Yeah. Do, do uh, the young ladies like the young men and the young men drawn to the young? Yeah, of course. Is it a central focus? Now, you know, one why one way the one reason why there isn't uh, uniforms. When uh, when young men, when high schoolers are dressed in school uniforms, you don't have the rampant immodesty, the uh, you know, which just fosters all kinds of you know lustful thoughts and impurity, uh, and it just creates a sexualized dynamic in the hallways of the school, which is again, just such a sadness. It's such a sadness that uh, that that kind of uh, that kind of environment is what is going to wash over your kids. and and really think about it. what's impacting the kids today? It's what they're seeing on social media. Carrie was talking about that. It was something that she was going to bring up, uh, the way in which uh, social media influencers today are so much more impactful because of uh, platforms like Instagram where they can jump on live and you get this real sense of contact with them. You get to see their life, even though it's really fake. And they're not just pitching a product on a page like, hey, click this sponsored link here. No, they are dressed in these beautiful clothes and, and they're in this beautiful environment and they're presenting a whole life 
and lifestyle. And the kids just get drawn into it. And then they start mimicking and imitating it because it's what they want for themselves as well. Ooh, wow. Okay. Tom, can't you answer the question? Did you want your kids to date in high school? And what would you, what, what do you think about that? Well, I remember, I, I, I'll tell you this. The answer is, um, since we left Seattle, none of my kids have dated in high school. Ta-da. And let's see, how many kids is that? One, two, three, four, five. And I've got a sixth high schooler right now. And none of them have dated. And they're in college now. And are they sad about the standard that was established in the home? And what they also found as a corresponding spirit in the schools where they were at? No, none of them have said to us, boy, you guys were so restrictive. It was just terrible. We have beautiful open conversations with each uh, with our kids about, about these things. And let me tell you, one of the best and beautiful protections of our kids regarding their sense of being pure and modest and chaste and self-controlled in, in a relationship uh, are their siblings. Their siblings who are walking the same path. Culture in the home flows outside of the home. Sending them to a school where that culture can also be present. It shifts the dynamic. It shifts it. You know that we have got these kids. It's kind of it's kind of funny because we have got two high schoolers in college. <laughs> well, they graduated early and they're at Franciscan as freshmen, but one is by age a senior in high school and the other one by age is a junior in high school. But there they are, freshmen in college. And it's 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 funny because I've had to talk to both of my boys who are again, uh, you know, 17 and 18, right? Uh, but should have been junior and senior. And they know in the home being here and where they were at school, they were at the Oaks, there is no dating. And the 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 date the, the kids on the campus that they were with, there's not a dating on campus. And so it wasn't a big dynamic. It wasn't a big thing. But now they're at Franciscan University and there's 800 freshmen and sophomores. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I just joke that my my son, John Luke, just should just wear a T-shirt that says, stay away, I'm illegal. So, um, however, what have they found at Franciscan? Uh, these households. And so uh, my son, John Mark, is joining a household. He's intenting. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to get in for sure, but... The, the scoop is that uh, Mary Catherine, her, her junior, his junior sister at Franciscan is like, oh yeah, he, he's going to get in. No, no question. He, he's as good as in. Uh, the, the men's household that he's joining is called Defenders of Purity. Now, come on. Can you imagine joining a Greek fraternity? You know, Kappa Gamma Theta. We are defenders of purity. Oh my goodness. 
I remember hearing the story of uh, a, a really sweet Catholic mom who raised her kids in beautiful, intentional ways with her with her husband. You know, a wonderful couple, and they had one of their daughters uh, go to the University of Washington and was in a sorority, and come to find out that the conversation in the sorority was around, okay, who here has slept with who in this other boy's fraternity or just in another fraternity. And her daughter was faced with all of this peer pressure. And, you know, she ended up disclosing to her sorority mates, her sisters in the sorority, Hey, I'm a, I'm a virgin. And it was something that was, like shocking and is it true is this a joke and then then they began to want to protect her from falling in like no don't settle for less don't give in i that's an amazing witness all right i'm up against another break and we come back more of the program hey this is dr tom Curran, the host of sound insight but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of washington and in idaho i've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy a path and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern washington and northern idaho if i could be of service to you in that i would love to please reach out drtomcurran.com drtomcurran.com welcome back to the program this is dr tom Curran. i am by myself carrie is sick say a prayer for her that her voice gets better she didn't want to be coughing and hacking into the microphone and making it a less pleasant experience for you hey valentine's day is coming up you don't want to get this wrong no regrets lent is coming up get ready for it don't stumble into it. You have some time. Think about it. No regrets. I'm going to get there. I'm going to finish this dating segment and then talk a bit about regrets and finding a motivation to uh, enter a fresh start, like start anew, start again, that, that God doesn't give up on you. Okay. God redeems things. Let's finish this dating question. So, the the interesting thing is my whole approach to that question of do you let your kid date in high school and if so why would you do that and why wouldn't you do that Carrie shared with me all of these links to these posts and all the comments and it's so funny because my approach is so much more based in the concept of what's the culture and atmosphere among the kids and among the families and uh and and in the school and that's going to be the most important uh, things that you ought to be focused on. Uh, and so I think you get that. I think you get that based on the things that I've said so far. And oh, the, the other part. So John Luke is joining. John Luke's joining a, a, oh, he's intenting. Again, he may not get in, but hopefully he will, called the prodigal sons. <laughs> So can you get to like polar opposites here? Defenders of purity, prodigal sons. So uh, hopefully he doesn't fall into the dissolute living and then has to make his way home, right? Uh, but it's 
the concept there is they are finding brotherhood with guys who have godly ideals for their lives, and they're going to support, encourage, and hold each other accountable towards those ideals. And guess what? Have a blast doing it with other great guys. That's why you think about how important it is in the formation and education of your kid. Not only where do they go to high school, but where do they go to college? Or what do they do after high school to continue to grow in heart and mind and character and virtue and godliness, right? Choosing that 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 Catholic college that will help your kids flourish is so very important. Don't focus on the major. Focus on the most important. The most important thing is their character, their godliness. Kids, they'll figure out the major stuff later. Really, really, really. Okay. So, uh, so let's let's now dive into some of the arguments that these ladies were saying about why they should let kids date in high school. And the I think the strongest one that I heard was or that I read and that Carrie pointed out was, oh, well, if you let them date in high school, you can have more of a monitoring of the relationship. You can help the kids navigate it with your guidance. You uh, get you you make sure that you're involved in communicating with your high schooler around what's happening, and you help them to prepare for a date or talk about the relationship, and make sure that you can help them avoid certain um, you know paths that will be more difficult and dangerous for them. And sounds like wow. That sounds leave it to Beaver. I'm not saying that parents can't have relation uh, that kind of communication with their kids, and and that I'm not saying that there aren't strands and and elements of that in their relationships with their high schoolers. I am saying that high schoolers are very busy. Parents are very busy, especially parents that have other kids are going to be very busy. And if you think that you're going to have this sort of wide open access to what's happening in that relationship where you're going to be able to have these like really intimate, important conversations that help provide the, 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 the guardrails for their kids. Um, I'm not saying it's not impossible. I am saying it's difficult. And if you're doing it, congratulations, that's impressive. But I would, I would say, be careful that you're not being fooled. Be careful that you're not being led astray by Realizing, in fact, that maybe, you know, your kid is uh, not maybe limiting what he or she is doing to the things that you get to find out about in conversation. So that's the first thing. Uh, the, the, the other one, but you know what I thought of? I was like, oh, when I heard that, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's like we let our kids like sip a little bit of wine because we don't want them to have this fascination with alcohol that says, Oh, it's been forbidden and you can't touch it because you're not 20. No, in, in the house, if we don't have much alcohol in the home, but um, if we have a bottle of wine, I don't know, it's only a couple times a year, honestly, um, we'll let our kids have a sip or, you know, the older kids that are, uh, you know, if they're away at college, they come back, they're not drinking age, we'll let them, you know, have more than a little sip. And the idea is, okay, we want you to understand the impact of alcohol and do it in a safe environment and all that. So you can see how, oh yeah. Dating could also be in that kind of realm. Um, on the other side, the the I, the interesting argument that I hadn't heard of to say, oh, no, no, don't let your kids date in high school because the kids that they're most likely going to date are kids that are probably in their friend group, in their circle. And you know, the likelihood that that relationship is going to just move along smoothly, not have any turbulence, 
and not end without drama and pain and hurt is pretty low. And so what happens when, especially if you have families that are friends and, oh, isn't that cute? This high school son and this high school daughter, they like each other and they date for a little bit. And then all of a sudden, there's a messy, traumatic breakup. And all of a sudden now, this whole dynamic between the families changes because of the relationship that happened in the kids. Or it becomes very awkward for the kids when they are thrown into uh, situations where these families are getting together, even with its other families. It's something Carrie's noticed around here in, in, in that exact situation. Oh, these kids are going to the same church and then they, oh, they're dating for a while or they've gone out on some dates and all of a sudden they're no longer going out on dates. And all of a sudden it's really awkward the way that these kids are relating to each other. And all of a sudden now the families are not getting together so much anymore. And it's like, wow, is that really worth what it cost? And so that was an argument against dating in high school. Just very fascinating. Okay. Um, here are a couple of things that I used to teach when I would teach high school kids about chastity and, and raise the question of dating. It was form your kids in purity, modesty, chastity, and self-control, right? So that I'm not going to talk anymore about that, but that's that's the foundational stuff. Okay. Second is be clear about what it means to go out on a date. And so that's where you have all of those like books that talk about go out in groups. Don't if you head towards isolation, that's the danger zone, right? So don't focus on groups. I mean, don't focus on isolating situations. Focus on groups, uh, and you're you know don't go to private places like oh they're downstairs watching a movie together. Carrie was always like no blankets. There's none of this. Oh, everyone's over. There's a bunch of kids together and there's some blankets. Yeah, no, that's not going to be a thing. So she's just like, and she would just literally say, okay, guys, I'll take that blanket. And it, and it's one of those things where it's like, oh, that parent isn't as quite as naive as maybe we thought, or isn't just going to say, oh, isn't this cute? The way that, uh, you know, things can uh, be associated with that. Anyways, so, um, it's being clear about expectations. Like, oh, let's let's talk about setting you up for success. Let's talk about a dynamic that can happen. And it can, it can, the idea of saying, I'm going to form and educate you around what it's like to have a dating experience. Um, I think that that is a very valuable part of a relationship that a father can have with a son, a mother with a daughter. And I say that from the place of absence. My dad did not have those conversations with me. And I feel sad because his dad died when he was a young man, 10, 12 years old, and he didn't have those conversations with his dad. And so that was the tradition. That was the culture that grew up in my home was not talking about those things. And I was simply left with rules and the threat of punishment. And like I said, it stopped me from getting in trouble, doing bad things, but it didn't form in me a healthy, like uh, beautiful flourishing sense of 
human sexuality and my own masculinity, that came through, I think, a lot of healing in the seminary and a lot of prayer and um, a lot of a study of John Paul II's theology of the person as gift. So um, when it comes to this concept of dating in high school, let's finish up. Let's finish this up. Number one, what's the culture in the home? Number two, what's the culture at school? Number three, what's the culture among the, your your high school your high schoolers' friends? By culture, I mean atmosphere, unspoken assumptions, things that they take for granted that they ought to be doing and avoiding, right? Understand that. Understand that. And then in that context, you can create opportunities for your kids to get together with other kids in environments where they can have safe, non-sexualized enjoyable times together. All right, I'm up against the end of my uh, time. I'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to the program. All right, it's great to be with you. So talking a bit about dating on this faith and family program, my wife, Carrie, is sick, as I mentioned. And so I, you, you missed, missed, I think, a lot of interesting insights from Carrie and um, I think she would have been able to also move me along faster and maybe shut me down a couple of times. <laughs> oh yes, there's the dynamic. Yeah, that's that's the reality. I don't regret that, right? I regret her not being here. All right, you know what I do regret? The way that I've done some Valentine's Days. So this is a nice little bridge into Valentine's Day. Do you know what you can do, fathers? Give Valentines to your daughters. Give a Valentine to your daughter so that she knows how special you are to her. You know, that idea of knowing a father's love, loving attention and kindness, and a fatherly affection for your teenage daughters is very beautiful and very powerful. And by the way, it's something that you you listen to what, you know, Catholic psychologists and therapists and even spiritual writers will say it's like it's such a wonderful protection against your daughter seeking a uh, uh, seeking to fulfill a need or desire for male attention that if if they receive it from their fathers there there's there's a, a, a an authentic need that is filled that they don't seek to fill in other relationships with other guys so, um, so this this is coming up. This is your chance, and I know Valentine's Day is happening on uh, Ash Wednesday. So I'm going to encourage you celebrate it on Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday, right? Uh, and so celebrate it on a day where you can eat chocolate. You know, you can give a gift that maybe involves food, and so I really encourage you to look at this upcoming Tuesday as a chance to uh, do something that is uh, expressive of fatherly affection. And, and guys, I'm talking to you. I do have a regret. Well, I've got several regrets in my life, but one of my regrets is not, not celebrating Carrie well on Valentine's Day. It's, it, but it isn't just Valentine's Day. Like Valentine's Day, then it flows back into her birthday, although it flows forward into her birthday. And then there's Mother's Day. And then there's 
our anniversary. And all of those are about her, even our anniversary. It's really more about how do I love her well? And I don't know. I think that guys, if I could say this to you, look, you you talk about love languages and yeah, you know, my, my best love language is not gift giving. I'm just not that good at it. Don't settle for that. I think that I gave myself too quick of a pass, too easy of a pass when it came to loving Carrie better with a love language that was more suited or fitting for these types of holidays. I regret that. There's a sadness in me. And I have had to face uh, a, uh, like a sad response from Carrie on, you know, we've been married 30, 30 years this year. Uh, so that's 30 Mother's Days and not when well, we didn't have kids early on, but, you know, about 30, right? 25 to 30 Mother's Days and then anniversaries and birthdays and Valentine's Days. And I did not, th- those, there's some misses in there. Don't settle for that, guys. Don't settle for misses. You don't have to. And so I'm I'm still thinking about what can I do to have a great Valentine's Day in advance the day before with Carrie or just pre-Lent so that she can she will feel appropriately honored and loved and celebrated by me, her husband. So Stop and think about things like that in your life. Like maybe you're like, Tom, you're you're a slug. You know, I, I got that. I got that in spades. I don't regret that at all. In fact, my wife is super thrilled with me because I am such a creative, good gift giver. If that's you, send me an email. Give me 10 new ideas. Because <laughs> uh, I don't want to stay where I'm at, but it's hard to know how to get to that next place. Frankly, that's why I, I do this program. I do this program precisely to help you not only get clarity about where you're at, but realize that you don't have to settle for that because God is on your side. He's got strength for you to get to that better place of flourishing in faith and even in human things that are marked by excellence called virtue or, or, your, or your character of greatness, right? The greatness that God wants to, to bring to birth in you. Okay, so so that's the first one. You have time. Don't just... Let it flit out of your mind. The second one is it's Lent as well. And I'm not like concerned that, oh no, I'm going to just settle for less on Ash Wednesday because it's Valentine's Day. So I'm going to take my wife out to dinner and still celebrate her with a really special breakfast. Please don't do that. I mean, unless, unless you're in a marriage where she is, anti-Catholic and you're Catholic and she is struggling with your practice of the faith and you're fasting that day. Um, Yeah. Just if that's your situation or or a situation like that, I got it. Okay. But if that's not you, then I want you to, to, to realize that Ash Wednesday is one of those two days that are required days of fasting. And so you want to have a great Ash Wednesday. You want to let that be a a great day for you to be able to experience the journey into the desert that Jesus has in store for you. Have you ever regretted how you lived a Lent? Yeah, 
I have. My hand is raised. Do you see my hand raised? I, I, I'm guessing you have too. Okay. Have you, can you remember a Lent that went really well? And you're like, wow, man, that was an amazing Lent. And and typically what? What's an amazing Lent look like? It's really hard. <laughs> it's not easy. I always say it. You're feeling it, right? You feel so good that you're feeling it. You know that what you're feeling, what you're experiencing, like the how hard it is right now. You're only experienced. You're only experiencing because of because of your Catholic faith. And I just think that's so important. It's so important for us to be able to uh, say, you know what. I, the existential experience that I'm having in my life right now, I'm only having because I'm Catholic. That's what's shaping and molding my day-to-day -day existence. We don't get that enough. I think most days of the year, most days of the week, we are not fundamentally experiencing the things that we're experiencing in the course of our day precisely because they are an expression of our Catholic living. It's just more, no, this is just my day-to-day -day life. And oh yeah, I happen to be Catholic as I'm going through it. Now, some of you are actually on your way to mass right now. And you're like, oh yeah, I'm doing my Catholic thing right now. And if that's you, praise be to God. Some of you are like, you know what? I pray in the morning and praise be to God. But I want you to say there's more. There's more to it than that for all of us. And so use these days wisely and well that are leading up to Ash Wednesday so that you don't regret this upcoming Lent. When I think about the category of regret, I would say that the word hurt shows up. Like I regret that I hurt somebody um, or but I think there's another word, at least for me, that shows up more than hurt, and it's the word waste. I regret wasting, and it's what? Wasting a chunk of time in my life, wasting life energy, wasting a, a focus on this or that, right? The, the bigger regrets that I have in my life are around waste, especially wasting time on things that were settling for less. I'm not even saying they're sinful, but just settling for less than God's very best. That is something that can be addressed this Lent. You don't take the word waste. Don't waste the opportunity that's in front of you this Lent. And and so, you know, don't just like show up on Mardi Gras night, Tuesday night, thinking, oh my goodness, what am I going to do for Lent? And just kind of slap something together. No, take some time over this weekend. Take some time over this weekend in quiet, maybe with a, a, a notebook, journal, and, and just pray and ask God and, and jot down some things. These are things that I, I regret. These are things that I feel are a waste. These are things where I feel like I'm settling for less. And among all these things, Lord, Lord, what are these things that you are wanting to do in my life this Lent so that I can truly flourish? Do that instead.